1: Dunch dunch dun ch dun dun dunch 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 ch dun ch dun 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 ch dun 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 na 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 na
2: na
1: na na
3: na 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 na
1: na 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 na
3: na 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 na
1: na 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 A middle school classic for me. Uh, Maybe a little later for you, Josh. How's it going, everybody? You're listening to The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Name that tune. Now now you guys at home can play along when we start singing at the beginning of the show. I like it. It's a good evolution. Yeah. uh, We have a fun show ahead today. Uh, Before we get into it, of course, our show is brought to you by CardKingdom.com. Make sure you visit our affiliate link. It's CardKingdom.com slash Command Zone. Um, You can basically make your purchases that way. We're going to be talking a little bit about Modern Masters today, and oh my goodness, I'm going to be purchasing a lot of cards from this set. It looks so sweet. Yeah, because there's a lot of value there, and the card prices are also going down, which is the perfect time to pick up some singles while the supply is fresh and the demand is high.
2: Yeah, definitely go to CardKingdom.com slash Command Zone, order your stuff there, support the show. The other way to support the show is directly if you go to Patreon.com slash Command Zone. And you can contribute directly to the show. There's a whole bunch of awesome rewards available depending on what tier level you're at. You can set monthly monthly caps. Mm -hmm. It's very flexible. We encourage you to go there. In fact, we call out one patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to... John
1: Cowell. Uh, Thank you, John, for supporting the show. John actually wrote us a super awesome long email in the beginning of February with some episode ideas. And remember, if you're a patron... And actually, if you're just listening to the show, you can email us as well, as well, but patrons have a special patron-only email that has higher priority that we'll read immediately, try and respond to. So it's a great way to get in touch with us that's not Twitter or through the comment section. And so, definitely send us your
2: topic ideas. We're always looking for those,
1: so that's great. Yeah. Patreon.com slash command zone.
2: Don't forget. Now, we should introduce that person who just crushed me in Name That Tune. Yeah. <laughs> we have, a, <laughs> evidently, a music aficionado. Jeremy Knoll from Star City Games.
1: How's it? Oh, oh, my goodness. He's actually, hold on, Jeremy, do you want to just replace Josh next time? <laughs> yeah. You're currently two over two.
2: Savage. How dare you?
1: Jeremy is the assistant marketing manager of uh, from Star City Games. You'll see him also a lot on Commander Versus, which is their awesome Commander series where they sit down, play a game of Commander, uh, something we're all very familiar with, as well as Split Second, which is a news update show and something that actually, Jeremy, you've been very kind in giving us a lot of love over these past few months on the show. So thank you very much. For for that thank you it's much appreciated as always
2: jeremy do you want to talk a little bit about what you do for the star city games as far as their content creation in fact we should say you you can find all this stuff at youtube.com star city games um and there's another series we didn't mention mini masters versus which i think jeremy that is that your brainchild also Yeah, that was something else that uh,
3: I just kind of came up with uh, end of last year, and we kind of put into production. So I'm the Assistant Marketing Manager of Media at Star City Games, and what that means is that I am in charge of a lot of the production of what you see on our YouTube channel and our Twitch channel.
1: Oh, Um, very cool. If
3: you've watched the SCG Tour Twitch channel, which used to be called SCG Live, now SCG Tour, as of this year, um, and watched anything on the youtube channel i have probably had a hand in it
1: somewhere very cool yeah and if you guys haven't checked out scg tour on twitch i highly suggest it it's one of the sort of many pleasures of my weekend when i open up the twitch app and see like oh there's high level magic being played right now on camera with some great commentary um and you know there's legacy modern standard all sorts of formats so it's a lot of fun so yeah make sure you guys do check that out that that's great you're so you're very heavily involved with all aspects of star city which is great, the media side at least, Uh, because I see you guys pop up all over the place.
2: And Commander Versus is
1: definitely a series that I know a lot of our listeners already watch, but Mm -hmm. some of
2: you probably don't. And, you know, a lot of people are getting into game nights and really enjoy that, and Commander Versus is another sort of gameplay series that would be a good idea to check out, because they have some super interesting games. Do you guys build new decks, like, every episode for that, Jeremy? Like, how's that work?
3: Yep, pretty much every week we come up with a new deck. Um, There are very few exceptions to that. And We start off with just coming up with ideas for what we want to do per season, Mm -hmm. because if longtime watchers of the show will know that uh, as of about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, we started doing seasons rather than just doing random episodes every other week. Uh, And each season is roughly eight to 10 episodes, and it's a weekly thing. And then we take a couple of weeks off uh, to take a break and then come out with another season. And so each season starts with brainstorm meeting. All right, let's figure out what we want to do and come up with ideas for themes for each each week and once we've come up with our themes then we just some of them are hey we've got a couple of weeks so we can kind of think about the idea Mm -hmm. and some of them are a lot more like on your toes okay at the end of this last episode we all got like for this last season for example we all had two random partner commanders that we were given, just random. random, yeah, just randomly. Like we have a, <laughs> a we have a lazy Susan. Uh, the 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 uh, there are several names for it. The uh, arena of the arbitrary, the Rand Harmonicon, uh, <laughs> and things like that. And so we just spin it, and whatever it lands on, that's the we don't know what it is. That's the card that you have to choose. And so we got two partner commanders, didn't know what they were going to be, and we had roughly a week to build a deck and then play it that following week. And then did the same thing again. We usually do two randoms per season. Uh, and that's what we did this time. So sometimes it's it's a bit tough. You have like just a couple of days to build a deck and then figure out if you want to tune it at all and then play a game with it, sit down. Sometimes it's the very first time you've played a game with it. But it's very interesting. It's a lot of fun trying to just... That deck building challenge is, is a lot, a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, that means that's you're building really like a lot of commander decks every year, basically. That's pretty cool. Uh, I should mention actually that... I think the first time, Jeremy, you and I got in touch was because one of the episodes you did a sort of uh, community content thre- uh, creators mm. featured their decks. So um, you had a deck from The Professor. You had a deck from, was it was it Nate from Commanderin was one of them? Yeah. And then my Tim deck was uh, mm-hmm. featured on an episode, and I was very proud. It didn't win, but it went off. <laughs> it did go off, yeah. Yeah, so I was
3: very
1: yeah, happy. I, it,
2: I ended up going uh, winning with uh, with Nate's
3: Damia deck.
2: Right, right. But <laughs> I still card. felt like I won because just the <laughs> oh, way yeah. the deck went off. So I would encourage – that's a good one for Command Zone listeners that haven't watched uh, Commander Versus to find that episode. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, and a lot of people do ask me about the Tim deck a lot, and so that's a good way to watch the Tim deck go off. So it's yeah. A good, yeah. I would I would encourage everybody to check it out. It's a very good series. Uh, they have a lot of fun, just like we do.
1: Yeah, and also, it's a more consistent show because uh, they get to put it out. You guys said bi- bi-weekly, every once every two uh, it's weeks. Actu- it's, it's actually weekly. Oh, weekly. Perfect, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Game Nights nice comes out once a month, so it's a great way to get a lot of your Commander fix in if you're going to be watching. On we're, the we're
2: always of the philosophy that the more commander content out there the better so yeah. I, if you're watching game nights you should watch commander versus if you're listening to this show you should listen to commander and commander's brew like if we all support each other because we want this format to continue to grow and be in the limelight and that's the best way to do it so yep um well let's talk about something that's super exciting and this time it's exciting for commander
1: Yes, it is very exciting for Commander. Um just so you guys know, the episode today we are going to be talking about a Tassiger deck oh, yes. with Jeremy, but before that we ha- we have to discuss Modern Masters 2017. Um Jer- I don't
2: think we're going to do a full set review because yeah, it's a reprint so set and so most of these cards we've talked about many times on the show here and there and there's just it's just not worth going through each one cuz it's not reevaluating, right? These right. are cards that have been around. But we we have to talk about it a little because I mean
1: yeah, I don't know about you, Jeremy, but
2: we're super stoked about it. It looks crazy awesome.
1: Yeah, what was sort oh, of no, like the, the gauge of everyone's temperature at Star City when the set started to get all the big the big hitters announced?
3: Oh, we were we were all very excited. It's it's a it's a really great set, honestly, like you said. Um I mean the very first day when they just showed, all right, here it is, damnation reprint, good to go. <laughs> and then just it usually is with with the master sets. Uh, in the past, and most of the time with regular sets as well, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you guys experience this, where the first couple of days of the preview week are, yeah, we've got these all really heavy hitter cards, these really amazing things, and then it kind of tapers off and yeah. kind of goes down. Yeah, it's near very front loaded. Like, yeah, near like Wednesday or so, and maybe you'll get like some surprise on like Thursday or something, um, especially with these one week preview preview weeks for smaller mm-hmm. sets and supplemental sets. Uh, But this this one, it just seemed like every single day they just had something else that was really, really good, Uh, not only for modern, but like, as you said, for commander players and and everything else. And it just seemed like every day they had something new that was great.
2: Yeah. I mean, just when we were thinking like, okay, well, they've got so much stuff that, you know, like tarmogoyf can't be in it right like they're not yeah
1: tarmogoyf. and then boom nope tarmogoyf is still in it and you're like what three sets in a row for modern masters tarmogoyf has managed to have staying power through all of them which is crazy to me um another theory i had as the reason that this set just feels so much more powerful than the last two the first one i think is arguable to be a kind of similar power levels because you know like modern is what eighth edition and up cards are legal cards from eighth edition aren't that popular in modern obviously and the the newer the sets get the the power levels creeping up slowly so that's why i think because we're going up to instrad you have such a higher level of power level because the cars have just gotten better over time
2: it it feels like though that they altered their philosophy as far as reprinting for this set i mean this this definitely feels different than Mm -hmm. the first modern masters the second modern masters or eternal masters this feels like there was a meeting or something at watsi where they said okay we need to reprint more of the big heavy hitters, the important stuff. Because this is crazy. I mean, we've got
1: the Ven- Zendikar Fetchlands. That's the big one, too, I think, for everyone. Across the board, every single format, except for Standard, wants the Zendikar Fetchlands.
2: Damnation, like we said, I think that got reprinted mostly because we didn't predict it this time. <laughs> <laughs> Crater Hoof Behemoth, Cavern of Souls, Snapcaster Mage, Liliana of the Veil, Tarmogoyf, Past in Flames, things like Cyclonic Psycho- Rift, Limvala, which is great for Commander. Path to Exile yeah. is back in it at Uncommon. Even at Uncommon, there's a decent amount of value.
1: Yeah, they have uh, Inquisition of Kozilek, when at it was Uncommon, a, a yeah. rare in Conspiracy 2. It's been downshifted again and up and down, and now it's sitting at uh, a wonderful Uncommon, which is awesome.
2: There's the whole, uh, there's a, a big cycle of the Miracle cards that are great in Commander, like uh, Temporal Mastery and and, yep. and such. I'm just, I'm a little bit, speechless about it actually like it's like everything you 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 could ask for like even if we had done a prediction show like we normally do i don't think we would
1: have had the guts to predict this amount of stuff and yet that's how much (laughs) stuff they put in it yeah right this is like like when when a kid makes the dream list of like man i hope they reprint all these cards yeah and like like, the the grumpy adults like kid they're never gonna do that yeah get out of here kid guess what the kid was right uh you forgot to mention one card josh blood i did
2: not forget
1: is being reprinted <laughs> i did not one forget. of the greatest enchantments ever created in the history of magic the gathering that's actually the the only like smudge on the <laughs> set like tarnishes smudge. the set a little bit yeah it's totally a smudge. i mean in terms of like price even like ranger of eos and you know like scavenging Ooze, these cards were slowly starting to creep up because they're just very good cards and it's great to finally see blood moon get reprinted ranger of eos get reprinted um and, you know, like, it's interesting because Innistrad was pretty recently, but it can't be soon enough that I get another copy of Creator of Behemoth in the deck, you know, so. Jeremy, what card are you the most excited about, or maybe even a couple
2: cards, you know, to get your hands on? And don't say Grizzlebrand.
3: <laughs> no. Outside of uh, Damnation, which I haven't owned since uh, probably, like, 2009 mm-hmm. when I traded it away, and that was, that was very silly. Um, so, I haven't had one of those in a while, so I'd really like another one of those again. Um, cards that I really want to get my hands on. I mean, Crater Hoof being in the set is just awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I really like Crater Hoof a lot. Uh, I was very, honestly, I was very excited on the last day when they spoiled the rest of the set. And it was just kind of a throwaway rare, but Broodmate Dragon is in the set. And I know it's not like a heavy hitter in Commander, but it was definitely one of my favorite cards in Standard at the time.
1: Yeah, classic Jun, just yep. popping in, giving you a four-four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was yeah, that card's awesome. It's great seeing cards like Falconrath Aristocrat. That's one of my favorite cards in my Marchesa deck. Also, I, I, it should be it should be mentioned that all of the Signets are getting reprinted uh, as uncommons, but like. I was going through my boxes the other day and going, I don't have a lot of the signets I
2: need. I know there's one of the signets that's actually like pretty expensive. Is it Azorius? I think it's the Azorius signet that was like a few dollars. And I was like, what the heck? Also, oh my gosh, we didn't even mention Basilisk Collar. Yeah. Of Kitchen Table Fables fame. I'm fairly certain that we're responsible single-handedly for that reprint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. tell me more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can we just start saying things now and have that? That card
2: was getting expensive. I'm not really sure why. Again, I think it was Kitchen Table Fables. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, like in terms of like stinkers, right? Every set has their quote-unquote stinkers. It feels like this set just doesn't really. There's a few that you're like, okay, fine. I don't want to open Domri Raid in a pack when I could open the Tarmogoyf. But regardless. it looks like the limited environment is going to be extremely fun, which makes me very happy. It looks like the power level is going to be insane. And the big thing, actually, that we should mention, and I don't know how much you can comment on this, Jeremy, but it would appear that the the amount that is being printed is a lot more than people may have originally expected. There is also not a Grand Prix to steal product away from the normal print run, which was an issue with the first two Modern Masters which hopefully means that the prices are going to go down on a lot of these cards and also just be way more accessible for us a sort of budget-focused people uh, and especially us commander players as well that need copies for many decks.
3: It's really great. Um, as you said, one of the – I believe it was on Twitter. Someone asked Helene why there wasn't going to be the Grand Prix, and she said that she felt uh, – Wizards felt that it was taking away too much of the product mm-hmm. from store shelves. And so it's going to, from what they have said, it's going to have roughly the same print run as uh, the 2015 version, I believe. I can't really say, like, I'm not given that kind of information from for our site or anything, mm-hmm. uh, but I am obviously can track it on social media. And that's what I believe Holen has said. And so that's one of the reasons why it's probably going to drive the price down a little bit is just, there's going to be a lot more of it Available to people at their local stores, yep. rather than the you know six or seven thousand people that are, and probably more at this point for this year, that are going to show up at uh, at Grand Prix Vegas.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can still get the 2015 Modern Masters at MSRP yep, if you go up right if, now. If that's so. the
2: amount that they're printing, then there's a lot, and everybody's going to be able to get a hold of it, which is great because we yeah. don't want to be in the situation where the first Modern Masters was, which is, you know, there was a, quite a bit of value, but they printed it so limitedly that it was actually hard to get a hold of, and then yeah. the box prices just went up, and therefore, like, it was great. You could get the cards, except for you couldn't get them because Yeah, I mean, the expensive.
1: set was like an experiment to begin yeah. with yeah. for Wizards. So I mean, I don't, I don't
2: blame them for sort of not jumping in the deep end right away. Yeah. You know, but this, this set, I think they're gonna do the right thing. They're gonna print the heck out of it, and everybody's gonna be able to get this stuff. That leads to an interesting question because I think there's a lot of chatter online, a lot of people sort of questioning what's the best way strategically, you know, if you're worried about budget and to some degree everybody is worried about budget right like we don't have unlimited money to spend on magic mm-hmm. what's the best way in your estimation to approach this set as far as how to get a hold of the cards should i be buying boxes should i be waiting and buying singles what point should i buy the singles to sort of get the best deal like how low are the prices like on the v- zendikar fetch is going to go um I don't know how much of a finance aficionado you are, Jeremy, but it'd be interesting to hear everybody's perspective on that, I think. My gut says buy singles. Yeah.
3: I would say that, okay, so I'm not much of a uh, finance aficionado myself, but I do read and watch a lot of content for split second. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can give you kind of an overview of what I think uh, some of the people have been saying. Um, I think that uh, the idea is that you should be Buying singles, buying boxes is going to be good if you would like to draft, mm-hmm. uh, but buying the singles is going to be good. Um, that the prices as of right now are already starting to drop from when they were originally, pre- you know, uh, previewed. And so it's probably going to be uh, right around launch that you'll still be able to get them fairly cheaply, even compared to what they were before the, uh, before the previews started. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably best to wait just a little while and, uh, pre- and then purchase singles out of those. And it's probably going to be better to purchase the singles from modern masters v- rather than the original printings. Yes, Like some people are still going to want the original printings. Like some people are very, very like, I want the very first printing. I want the original art or I want, you know, this or that or the other thing. Uh, but more than likely, the the versions from modern masters 2017 are going to be just a little bit cheaper in the long run
1: yeah definitely and in some cases some of the foil versions and as we saw with like force of will ended up being more than the original version because the new art is just that great it depends on the new art yeah Yeah. it'll be interesting to see snapcaster mage uh
2: specifically because it's been shifted up to mythic and the art Mm. is different Mm -hmm. so I have the feeling i'm kind of with jeremy i think the original will will maintain price a little better
1: yeah that's sort of the the trend i think for magic cards is people the older it is it does have more inherent value because it is harder to get a hold of
2: i would say too uh if you're going to wait and buy the singles which i think is the smart way to go that you want to wait a few weeks after the sets come out and people have had a chance to open it and draft it and i bet right around the time that Ket is coming out is when these cards are going to be sort of at their lowest yeah um especially the zendikar fetchlands i mean that's going to be what everybody's looking at and there's Mm going to be a point when we're all going to want to dive in and make sure that we get you know our play sets of each one because they're unlikely to be that cheap again for a long time Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah yeah and i would say if you're a commander player don't buy a box if you're just looking to open cards because the chances of you getting a grizzle brand or a gifts ungiven is there and both of those cards are banned in our format so (laughs) it would do you well to buy the singles instead now if you were going to draft it though yes like us like
2: we're going to buy boxes because we love to draft and you get the dual purpose of i draft it but i also am like well i'm taking crater of behemoth this pick because i want that for my token deck um yeah so you kind of can get the best of both worlds that way but if you're not going to draft it yeah singles are the way to go and the way to order them is to go to cardkingdom.com <laughs> slash command zone, use the affiliate link and pre-order those cards, uh, right now, or you can do what I said, which is wait a little while. And, uh, the prices are
1: definitely going to go down. Okay. Enough about modern masters 2017. Let's talk about one of my favorite cards. Uh, I've actually built my own deck around this, but Jeremy brought his list to the show this time. The card is Tassiger the golden Fang, but this is also known to Jeremy as the villainous wealth deck. So before we dive into it, um, let's talk about Tasigur. Tasigur the Golden Fang is a legendary creature. It uh, costs 5 and a black human shaman for a 4-5. However, Tasiker has Delve, which means you can exile cards from your graveyard while you cast the spell, and it'll pay for one of the generic mana in its mana cost. So this can end up costing just black if you have 5 cards in your graveyard that you can exile. And he has an activated ability for 2 and then 2 of these Simic Symbol, so you can hybrid. have play, hybrid symbols. So you can have to play blue or green in any combination. So four mana total to put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard, then return a non-land card of an opponent's choice from your graveyard to your hand. Now, Jeremy, why did you choose to build around Tasiger the Golden Fang? Well, I chose Tasiger
3: as the commander because, as you said, this is actually a villainous wealth deck in disguise. Uh
2: huh.
1: This this idea
2: of building a commander deck around a non-legendary card is like so near and dear to my heart, so I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm so happy that you're building the deck this way. Okay, continue. Sorry. All right. Yeah, so
3: uh, one of the things that I've always really enjoyed about uh, Magic is just the giant X spells. That's just been one of the things that's been near and dear to my heart for Mm -hmm. a very long time. Uh, When I was playing competitive, my favorite deck was mythic conscription and then right before that it was the elf ball deck with genesis wave uh, mm-hmm. yes and genesis wave is just has been one of my favorite cards for quite some time and then i saw villainous wealth when it was previewed and thought yep i'm going to do something with that card because <laughs> not only does it allow me to pay a really large amount of mana to get a whole bunch of cards but it's not my cards it's your cards right which i thought was great
2: so Let's read read Villainous Wealth really quick, just so people have uh, the right context. Villainous Wealth is a sorcery. It costs Sultai, which is black, green, and blue, and X. And then target opponent exiles the top X cards of his or her library, and you may cast any number of non-land cards with converted mana cost X or less from among them without paying their mana cost. So let's say you tap 13 mana, and you cast it, and X is 10. They would flip the top 10 cards of their library... And then any card that costs ten or less, you can choose
1: to cast it. Yep, for so free at that point. Non-land cards, you're casting it, so yep. you get Eldrazi triggers. Uh, the card is very powerful, and the reason that Tasker can play him is because he has Simic in his uh, text box, which makes him a Saltite Commander as well. Um, okay, so you've
2: got this idea. You've got Villainous Wealth is a card that is. Suits your playstyle, <laughs> and you've mm-hmm. decided that you want to build a commander deck around a sorcery. So, let's talk about what is the plan for the deck.
3: Well, the plan is to start ramping off as quickly as you can. Uh, so, in the deck, there's something like uh, seven sorceries, I believe, that all can ramp cards, uh, getting lands out of your deck mainly, and a couple of the mana rocks. So you're trying to ramp up as quickly as you can and then trying to use one of the many tutors or something like Tassaker or one of the other self-mill cards to get the card into your graveyard and then bounce it back to your hand with something like Eternal Witness and then just cast Villainous Wealth for as much as you can.
2: I'm guessing uh, that then, my
3: scenario of you know x equals ten is pretty modest. It's <laughs> it's pretty modest. You can get there usually around like turn six if you really want to. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Six or seven sometimes. It, it it really depends because it depends on your play group too, because one of the cards that we do have that's a mana ramp card is tempt with discovery. Oh and yep. so if the if the table is tempted and everybody goes to get a land.
1: They're always you tempted. Can
3: get, yeah. Yeah. You can go get four lands, and sometimes those lands will be Cabal Coffers or
1: <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I think Temple with Discovery is one of those hidden gems of ramp cards because if one person is behind, they're going to say yes to Temple with Discovery. They don't really... I mean, and it also just has land cards. so you're right. You can grab two incredible, uh, just legendary non-basics. Yeah, let me read it
2: really quick. It's three and a green for a sorcery. It says, Tempting offer. Search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. Any land doesn't say basic each opponent may search his or her library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield for each opponent opponent who searches a library this way search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield and then the shuffle clause so what happens is you get at least one land and it can be any land but then everybody else at the table gets a choice they can go find a land themselves if they do you get an additional land for each person that does that so usually what happens is if one person blinks Mm-hmm. then everybody else at the table goes, well, I'm getting a land too. And before you know it, you're getting four or five lands out.
1: Yeah, including, like you said, Cabal Coffers and uh, uh, make... Uh, but, uh, sorry, Urborg. Urborg, yeah, yeah, which makes all your land swamps and then Cabal Coffers just womp, 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 womp uh, adds a sort of black tier man mana pool for each swamp you control. So great way to just ramp your mana up incredibly quickly. Yeah, yes. that, that, that card's very good. Um, you do have to watch out with that, though,
3: because some people will know what's going on And they will grab their strip mine or their wasteland or whatever sort of, you know, land that can destroy other lands and try and take you out of it. So there are other cards in the deck. Besides the recursion to try and get Villainous Wealth back, there are cards that are going to try and get your lands back as well. Mm -hmm. One of the newer cards that I haven't actually had a chance to test out yet is uh, Wildest Dreams from Kaladesh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the sorcery that's green XX return X target cards from your graveyard to, to your hand mm-hmm. and exile Wildest Dreams. Uh, and so that's a really great way if, uh, if you've managed your graveyard with things like Tassiker and Rito Lantern um, to basically be able to get back whatever you'd like Including something like your Cabal Coffers or your Urborg right. that somebody may have destroyed.
1: You also have Splendid Reclamation in here, which was one of the cards that we were all very excited about uh, when it got oh. printed, which returns all of your land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So mm-hmm. I can see, I mean, plus, I mean, we'll talk about the. Uh, actually, let's talk about the stats. Stats. So, like you said, there are seven mana ramp sorceries in there. We're talking Cultivate, Kodama's Reach, uh, sort of your regular. Uh, and Temp with Discovery, your regular sort of package, and it's a few artifacts. You have five card draw spells, and I noticed that these are actually mostly on creatures. Uh, you have, like, a Phyrexian Arena as well, but you also have the Blood Gift Demon um, and, like, the Sire of Stagnation, which lets you draw cards. And Tassager himself and is Tassiker card draw. And as well, yeah.
3: Yeah, um, yeah that's that's the thing is the Tassiger actually does act as a very reliable card draw source mm-hmm. that not a lot of people think about
1: right and one of the combos is to cast Tassiger, delving away a lot of the cards you don't want an opponent to give back to you uh you can also of course strike a deal with an opponent yeah true uh yeah. have you ever found yourself in that position where you're like hey blank do you want to give me this villainous wealth back and i won't use it on you
3: yeah, that's definitely happened before.
2: <laughs> I would 100% do it if it wasn't gonna hey, be if me. You,
3: if you do this, if you look over there, that person's got a much smaller library than you, yeah. There's a good chance that I could knock them out of the game, yeah.
1: And hey, maybe maybe I'll just not hit on any cards either. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got to give them all the possibilities. Um, the there's... first
3: time when, when that card was very early, uh, fill in wealth, I did try it in standard as a side note story, yeah, and I got to go off with it in an elf deck, uh, an elf ramp deck and got to x equals 23 oh. played it and my opponent was just like what's going on and i was like well you exile the top 23 cards of your library they're <laughs> like okay them. and they flip them all over and i just pick them all up and they're like wait what are you doing i'm like i get, I get to cast and then they look <laughs> at it and read you get to cast all non-land i was like yep and they, oh yeah i'm scooping yeah, <laughs> I can't do anything against. you're gonna take all of my really good cards yeah
1: also get to take a, a good look at the rest of their deck um yep now, you have three versions of self-mill in the deck, which I thought was really interesting because you have cards like Splendor Reclamation and Life from the Loam, both of which are able to get lands back, and you also have so many other cards that recur stuff. So you have seven cards that recur uh, cards out of your own graveyard. Now, for the most part, I'm assuming this is for Villainous Wealth, right? Correct.
2: Yeah, you if, if your whole this. goal in the deck is to cast Villainous Wealth, then you have to be able to get it from the graveyard, you know, because how else are you going to cast it again? Well, yeah, exactly. So point. you want to you want to try and
3: bounce it back as many times as you can and uh there's a lot of good ways to do that. Of course you got like the classic uh cards like Eternal Witness and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, trying to get it back into your hand and it it's even got cards like Rift Sweeper which just gives someone gets yeah, happens to exile your villainous wealth then you can go ahead and grab that back out of your
1: exile. Right. Uh, and you shuffle it into your library. And as a result, you also have a lot of tutors to go find this card. And I, I love it because oftentimes tutors are like, oh, it's your toolbox deck. You can find whatever you want. But in this case, I'm pretty sure your main goal is always to fetch the same card, right? Correct. Yeah, so you can read any tutor as just like a, uh, a, pre, a prepaid cost of whatever that mana is for that spell to go find a copy of Villainous Wealth and put it into your hand, which I think is fantastic. Um, you have three versions of single target removal and four board wipes. So that looks all to be about pretty, pretty standard. Um, now it seems like it's very consistent in playing villainous wealth a lot of times. Um, have you found that you've ever had any trouble finding the card whatsoever?
3: Uh, very, very rarely. It's usually just if you don't get any of your draw or tutors, Mm -hmm. uh, which just is, is Fairly uncommon. The only times that I've really had problems with the deck are when I have played against friends one on one, because mm-hmm. they can obviously target you a lot easier and can deal with a lot of your your nonsense. Um, <laughs> and one of my friends happens to play a um, Skullbriar deck that can just get under this deck very easily and very quickly. And so by the time I'm ready to cast Villainous Wealth for 15 or 16 or 20 or whatever, he's already got me down to single digits sometimes, uh, just casting Skullbriar and then playing a bunch of plus one, plus one counters on it. Right.
1: Oof. Oof. That's pretty rough.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
3: it
1: definitely can be. It doesn't seem like a great one-on-one deck. It's trying to <laughs> cast, like, one spell for, like, 40 mana. Yeah, also, when you play multiple people, you have a much larger choice of, like, that guy's playing a Rakdos deck. He's probably going to have a giant creature in there that I can right. cast oh yeah Correct. that's a good point like yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can target the person who has the stuff you're most likely to need yeah more options um so we separated uh like we do with all of our deck techs the deck into a few categories the first is just literally called villainous wealth um so again a lot of sorcery speed ways to ramp your mana up and a lot of tutors to grab them we're talking demonic tutor diabolic tutor increasing ambition diabolic revelation and a couple of mana doublers. In this case, I think you only have one, which is Mana Reflection. Now, this is a six-mana spell for Green Green. It's an enchantment that says, if you tap a permanent for mana, it produces twice as much of that instead. I believe uh, this card is pretty powerful. Have you ever found that it just comes out and you? the fact that you have to wait a full turn cycle is just too much for the deck to handle?
3: Uh, not really. Mana Reflection's mainly in there um, to help out to get villainous wealth to a higher level when you're only stuck at a few lands in play. Mm -hmm. Um, So say if I found one of my single shot tutors, demonic or something like that, or diabolic tutor to go get my villainous wealth, but I've only ramped with one card and it's turn five or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I can play the mana reflection and then the next turn, double the amount of mana I have and cast Villainous Wealth if I really need to for 9 or 10 or whatever it is, Um, just to get it off going off once at least and maybe get it into my graveyard so that I can bounce it back and use it again later. Um, So that's one of the main reasons it's in there. That and uh, also because the sort of plan B of the deck is to just mill people out. And so if you can Villainous Wealth them for their entire deck... (laughs) <laughs> mana reflection works really well to help out with that
1: yeah how how many games do you win via milling
3: uh i would say probably more than a third well, Wow. wow yeah
2: wow wow, wow
1: that is <laughs> pretty awesome, awesome.
2: It, it kind of stinks though because all the cards you cast off of it you don't really get i mean i guess you just don't get the permanence but anything else you can sort yeah. of get those effects and, and yeah
1: Well, after you've cast Villainous Wealth once, you, of course, have a whole Regrowth package, and there's Mm -hmm. a ton of cards in here. We've already talked about Eternal Witness, Wildest Dreams. You have just Regrowth, which is just... I just Mm -hmm. love that card. Um, And there's (laughs) one that was really interesting, Noxious Revival. Yeah. Uh, It costs one mana, one Phyrexian mana, so you can pay two life or green mana for it. It's an instant, and you put a target card from a graveyard on top of its owner's library. I really like this card a lot because you can wait to play it till the end step of your opponent right before you. You can also do it in response to someone trying to get rid of the card with something like a death Deathrite Shaman. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, that's definitely happened before, um, just in response to... Uh, somebody playing something like a bajuca bog or something right. like that too or a death right shaman or whatever and you can just oh i'm gonna go ahead and make sure that's right back on top or i think i could win this next turn with it so i want to look unthreatening pass it around okay now i can put it on top draw it and then mill someone out or take a whole bunch of their deck
1: yeah and then because it's an instant and cost technically it can cost you no man and just two life you can tap out as well and really present sort of like a up oh, shields are down Yep. Hope you can't get rid of my villainous wealth, JK. Yeah, you know,
2: looking at this card, it probably should see a little bit more play because it has some fringe usage in cases where people, like in game nights, how uh, Josh Kim had dropped, like, It That Betrays into his graveyard, and there was a chance of he was going to get it back with Karmic Guide. In those cases, you could Noxious Revival the It Back that betrays back to the top of his library, and he can't actually cast it because he's trying to cheat it into play. He doesn't have enough mana.
1: And you can do it to someone else's. That's amazing. I didn't even think about that. I've only thinking about targeting my own graveyard here. So it just has
2: another use. I'm not saying that's the primary use, but the ability to do things like that when people are pulling off common EDH shenanigans, like cheating things out of their graveyard directly into play, this is probably sort of a sleeper card, too, that, that... yeah i might take a look at that and put it in some decks
1: now technically it's card disadvantage especially if you're not using it on yourself because you're just losing a card and you don't draw it to your hand immediately but even pairing this with card draw i can see you can do some crazy combo turns where it's like shoot i need that card back and i can draw cards but it's in my graveyard i have no mana left noxious revival i mean think if it's sphinx's revelation or something like that that you're
2: putting back on the top of your library obviously not in this deck but yeah um let's say it's Spring geyser or something, you know, then it's going to draw you a whole bunch of cards and you don't care about that card disadvantage. I like this card. I hadn't thought about this card before in EDH at all. So opening. Our and I've minds. definitely had
3: instances where it's something like, okay, my villainous wealth is in my graveyard. Uh, and then I, it somehow gets like tucked back into my deck from someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I use noxious revival to put a tutor back on top and then just tutor, the villainous wealth back. Right. And mm-hmm. Things like that also uh, have also been lines I've done. Right.
1: Especially in a deck like this where every card has, you could almost cycle like playing a Witness again, get another creature out, have a way to, you know, bounce that and get something back. So I, I can definitely mm-hmm. see because so many of your cards have great enter the battlefield abilities that would be pretty, pretty good. Uh, you also have Archaeal Mancer in the deck. Great card. Uh, when it just enters the battlefield, you can get back an inciner sorcery from your graveyard to your hand um so the self-recursion there's seven ways to do it uh i think that's it sounds about right because ideally in a game you only need to cast villainous wealth like what three times at most to sort of seal the deal yeah it's usually
3: somewhere between three and five really depends on how <laughs> early you get it yeah <laughs> well like you said sometimes you're you sometimes you do cast it for ten. Uh, and then so you're just you wanna... disappointed in life at that moment? It <laughs> exactly. sounds awesome still. And you're just sad. <laughs> Everyone else is mad at you, but you're just sad because you didn't get to cast it for
1: 25 or 30 or whatever. That's true. <laughs> um, now, I wanted to talk a little bit about the self-mill and opponent-mill parts of the deck. You have one card in here that I've actually never seen played in a game, which is Dreamborn Muse. Two blue-blue for a creature spirit that's a 2-2. Two, two. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player puts the top X cards of his or her library uh, into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of cards in their hand. So if someone's getting greedy and they have their you know Consecrated Sphinx. Sphinx out, they're going to be milling a ton of cards. Um, is there a reason? Has, has Dreamborn Muse... I feel like this is one of those cards that, on the surface, it's like, I'm not going to pay four mana for that, but this just overperforms, right? It kind of does, yeah.
3: If you're trying to get stuff into your graveyard... Um, which is, as I said, one of the things that you can do with trying to use uh, Tassiker and then other abilities to put cards back from your graveyard into your library again. Uh, it's very good because you're probably not going to have a huge hand in this deck. Um, you're probably still only going to be between like five and seven cards mm-hmm. most of the time. It's not aiming to have Draw all of its own cards. It's aiming to play other people's cards. Right. So if somebody does happen to, oh, I'm going to play my thought vessel or my reliquary tower, and then I'm going to play, as you said, like Sphinx's Revelation or something, and I'm going to draw twenty cards. It's like, okay, well, now you're going to be milling yourself out, and that's kind of like the sub, you know, Plan B of the deck as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you also have uh, a card that I actually have my Tasker deck, which is Phoenix, God of Deception. This card is really crazy. Um, it's a four-seven legendary enchantment creature that's indestructible. And if your devotion is uh, to blue and black is less than seven, it isn't a creature. But every creature you control has tap it and target player puts the top X cards of his or her library into her graveyard, uh, where X is that creature's toughness. So if Phoenix becomes a creature, you can just mill someone for seven at the drop of a dime.
2: And Tasigur starts milling them, and yeah, you know, for five each. Any time. other creatures you have? Actually, when Phoenix decks are maybe some of the better mill decks because it can just come out of nowhere, too. Right. You, you play it, and all of a sudden mill you for 30. Right. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I like this card a lot.
1: He's pretty sweet. You can do it to yourself, too, I guess, if you were looking for something. Mm-hmm. like if yeah. I mean, yeah. that's kind of why he was in my Tasker deck. It's yeah. just, it's like, let's say you need to, you really got to put Tasker out again, but this time he costs, like, a billion. Well, that's a good point, because you can just be like, well, I'm just going to do this to myself to give myself a discount on casting Tasker again. yeah. Know? Uh, which is pretty sweet. Um, And of course, Phoenix and Dreamborn Muse both uh, pair well with what I called your plan B in the deck, which is just like hit them hard with giant creatures. Um, So (laughs) Shieldred Whispering One uh, is a great, Uh, great, great way to fill other people's graveyards because you're making them sack creatures and also to cast giant things from your graveyard every single turn. And then you pair that up with a card like uh, Lord of the Void, uh, which is also, like, I've never seen this card get played, but I'm assuming you've just cast huge things off of this before, right? It makes people sad.
2: <laughs> uh, their yeah. favorite
1: creature is now yours. I think I have exactly. this in
2: my Shadowborn Apostles deck. I'm not sure I've ever quite gotten it out. It's four black, black, black for a creature demon, so that's seven mana for a 7-7 seven, seven flyer. When Lord of the Void deals combat damage to a player exile the top seven cards of that player's library, then put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield under your control. So it, it sort of does like a little impression of villainous wealth.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's doing the whole, I'm going to play with your toys,
1: Oof. you know, holds. I mean, I'll also bash you in the face for seven, you know, that too. Yeah, that, like, <laughs> it's great because it's like, one, I might mill you to death. Two, I might just kill you in the skies with Shildred or Lord of the Void because Shildred has Swamp Walk, right? So it's just ways to get in. And then you have a couple of the primordials as well, the diluvium primordial and the sepulchral primordial. Both of them uh, really care about what's in each opponent's graveyard. Mm -hmm. So when you're milling everybody. Yeah, when you're milling everyone, are you just being like, oh, maybe I should go tutor up the diluvium primordial because I see this spell and insurrection here and that. Yeah, that's definitely happened before where it's just like, oh,
3: well, I can get all of your permanents. But with my Delovium Primordial, I can also just grab your best Sorcery or Instant and then cast that as well if I really want to. Just end the
1: game in, in fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Pretty sweet. Um, so what's, like, a dream play with this deck? So what's, like, every time you play, sit down to play this sec, like obviously the big dream is to cast Villainous Wealth for, like, 20. But let's mm-hmm. say that doesn't happen. Your Rift is not there. It gets Exiled, as, as well as your Villainous Wealth. What, like, what... What do you try to do usually to get out of that position? Because if the deck is built around playing one card, one might be like, well, then when the card's gone, are you just done for?
3: In cases like that where your villainous wealth gets exiled and stuff like that, and you you can still get back into the game with your big creatures, but if you're starting to feel kind of overwhelmed and you have a tutor or something like that, or even if you draw it, uh, one of the really great ones is something like... Uh, like Praetor's Council, or you can just kill all of their creatures with, like, In Garrick's Wake mm-hmm. and things like that, and then play out your shield rid or your primordials and start taking over the board with really big threats while they are trying to rebuild. Uh, so that's kind of like the plan B or plan C almost, if you're not playing them, just to play them. Uh, so it can kind of control the board a little bit, and it tries to, if it can't get to villainous wealth and things like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: uh you want to read let's read praetor's council this is a card oh, yeah. we haven't talked about a lot but it's one of those sort of high like top of the curve green cards that you do see quite often it's five green 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 for a sorcery return all cards from your graveyard to your hand and then exile praetor's council and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game so all your graveyard just comes into your hand and you can have as many cards as you want this um don't play uh dreamborn muse after you play this no. card yeah, don't, <laughs> don't
3: do that. that is yeah. that is one of the few things where you're like well i have dreamborn muse in play so i probably shouldn't cast this
2: <laughs> you're like um, suicide attacking like somebody just chump or just block this thing please so that... block yep. this yeah. thing yeah
3: pretty much what you're going for at that point but yeah if if somebody does like target specifically your your villainous wealth or something and you've got you know a pretty good graveyard going something like you know 15 20 cards or whatever then you can play praetor's council because of the fact that you have access to so much mana now that pretty much everything that you want to do you can just have in your hand right back from your graveyard
2: that's the great thing about card draw with mana ramp yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's that true. alone can do stuff do you find that people start to target the villainous wealth because they know that's a that's what you're trying to do holding up a counter spell
3: yeah, on occasion that can happen. I have had people like hold up counter spells,
2: or they're like, "We uh, know just... you want to do this one thing, and we're, we're so we're going to try and stop <laughs> yeah. it." Yeah,
3: yeah, we want to ruin your fun. Rude. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm playing your cards. We're all winning
1: here, right?
3: <laughs> exactly. Um, but if it's if it's early enough in the game, or if it's uh, it it kind of depends on the politics of the table as well. Mm-hmm. If there's still four players in, you can kind of convince people like, "Do you really want to?" counter this, because I'm going to be targeting this other person who's so much farther ahead than everybody else right now. And so it's going to balance it out and things like that. So, I like
1: using politics. Yeah. It, It seems like a deck like this benefits very well from politics, because... You know, you're right. If one person is super far ahead, then all of a sudden the villainous wealth deck is kind of like you're in magical dreamland being like, well, I hope you hit a bunch of good cards that can somehow stop this ridiculous board state over here. And you're like, well, let me try.
2: (laughs) It has that random aspect to it too. Like you don't, nobody knows what you're going to get. So it's not quite as scary as it probably should be.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah, r- random is also one of my favorite. Like obviously, you can build your deck however you need to when you're playing things like Genesis Wave, and you're like, okay, it's gonna be kind of random, but I kind of know what I'm gonna get. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same way with like my other favorite deck that I actually have made myself is a Maelstrom Wanderer deck. As soon as I saw that card, I was like, okay, well now I'm getting into commander. yeah I brought cascade was just one of my favorite mechanics from that era yeah and I was like you know I just I, I have to do this because I love really big dumb spells I love ramping and I
1: love the randomness of I don't know what I'm going to get every single time right right definitely well, that's awesome. So, Jeremy, how does this deck play? Do you have any stories, epic things that happened? like you cast Praetor's Council and then you Rift Sweeper it back to your hand and played it again or anything? Like, Are there any situations where the deck has a much tougher time? Obviously, we talked about playing one-on-one or against more aggressive decks. And sort of what settings that you found that it really thrives under?
3: Uh, well, I think, as we talked about before, the the big big stories are obviously all oh, okay, so I got to thirty mana or I got my cabal coffers and my herborg early and I was able to ramp up to X equals thirty pretty quickly and then play somebody's deck that they're playing that's like a you know like a red white sort of aggro deck or a red green uh Xenagos deck or something like that and you're playing a bunch of their creatures. So that that happens fairly often. Um, <laughs> the things that it's kind of has a rough time against, like I said, are the one V one matches where somebody's just like, Hey, I just want to, I just kind of want to play a game and you know, we don't really have the group here. So do you want to just play one-on-one? It's kind of weak to that. Um, and anybody who's just expecting it because they know it's a villainous wealth deck, like you said as well, Mm -hmm. uh, if they have some sort of like graveyard control or if multiple people are playing things like Bajuka Bog, or Tormod's Crypt, or something like that. Right, um, right. It can kind of hinder you, uh, and so you really have to rely on your backup plan of Primordial,
1: Shieldrid, Lord of the Void, and things of that nature. Well, I, I do know. love Shieldrid. That card <laughs> is absurd. It, it always overperforms in every game I've ever played. Very much so.
2: I know that pain, Jeremy, because I build many decks that aren't around commanders, and they're around different kind of cards like this, and yeah, once they know what it is, they can. you have to be real careful, but... You know, the thing is, you just have to pick your spot uh, a lot of times as far Mm -hmm. as like don't cast your villainous wealth. You know, willy nilly, you got to be a lot more careful about, you know, when you bring it out, when it goes to the graveyard, if the coast looks clear, do I have my rift sweeper, that kind of stuff. So uh,
1: it's a really fun way to build decks, though. I'm glad that somebody else out there is doing it. Yeah, and one of the things I do want to ask to the listeners this time around is what do you all think about cards like Villainous Wealth? Cards that don't have a quote-unquote guarantee slapped onto them, right? Like It's sort of like a roll of dice, see what you get. Um, And I would love to see how other players out there use these cards to max potential. And like, because it's one of Josh's favorite things to do, like, what single cards or ideas have you built around? Josh's best example, I think, would be your Tim deck or your your Nekusar deck. Yeah, my Marchessa deck is is sort of similar. Yeah, what... What cards,
2: though, that aren't your commander? Like, I like this idea of, like, I'm building a commander deck, but I'm building it around something that's not the legendary creature that's in my command zone. Yeah. So what are those things you've built around? I like that idea. I want to know. I, uh, I can
3: give you another example real quick. Hit oh, yeah. Hit us. Of, of, of something like that that I think is really fun. Some people may enjoy this. Is the card Gate to the Aether? I don't know if you're familiar with that. I am not.
2: What does it Gate to the Ether do? It's an
3: artifact from mirrodin uh-huh. it costs six mana and it says at the beginning of each player's upkeep that player's re- reveals the top card of his or her library <laughs> if it's an artifact creature enchantment or land card that player may put it into play
2: okay that's awesome wow yeah
3: wow it's, it can be very fun especially when you're playing in something like trying to be you know random deck when you're playing like warp world and things like that it right, can get right. really out of hand
1: wow that's that's very intense uh i can imagine like a super friends deck wanting to take advantage of this or not super friends mm-hmm. sorry a group hug deck being like everybody just just get your stuff out we'll see what happens and one person just says scroll rack and just throws a giant thing on top yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah it seems really good in a deck like joyra or something that just already has all the eldrazi
2: and all the huge stuff because your likelihood of flipping a top card and having it be something crazy is higher than the yeah. average deck yeah that It's kind of like almost like playing a plane chase card, you know? It's like it changes the rules fundamentally of the entire
1: game. I like that. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. I think my ideal uh, situation with Villainous Wealth would be let's say we had to take down Josh and I had a card in my hand that could. I was like, all right, Villainous Wealth me, and I scroll racket to the top of my library <laughs> so that you get a you cast, cast it. It. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, why mean? Mean. Craig. It's clearly Craig. It's, okay, right, sure, sure. Yeah. It's, it's Craig. It's Craig. <laughs> all right. Well, when you guys do uh, let us know what single cards you have built around, other people might want to go buy that card. You can go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone to get those cards. A great way to get them. Fast shipping. I, uh, we're going to record game nights this weekend and I was like I need some cards so I bought them and I know they're going to be here on time. Card Kingdom is great that way. A great guarantee there. Alright now it's time for the end
2: step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Jeremy you have a couple of cool things actually yeah. that you wanted to talk about.
3: Yeah so outside of magic I've always been um, pretty into games just in general. You know I started off young with like Nintendo mm-hmm. Sega Sega uh, and all that stuff, and I've just been playing games most of my life, and uh, they're just my source of fun, entertainment, social interaction. Magic's obviously like one of the best ones, right? But the recent resurgence, like big surge of uh, just tabletop games, board games, card games, has been really, really awesome for me, just because I get to I get to play these games, hang out with friends, and they're all really top notch nowadays. Um, so I wanted to talk about a couple of games that I've been playing uh, throughout the last few years that I, I think are really, really great. Uh, the first one is called Shift, And this is a game by Cool Mini or Not. There's actually two different versions right now. There was two very large base games. Uh, the first one's called Onslaught. The second one's called Dreadmire. So it's Xenoshift, Onslaught, Xenoshift, Dreadmire. Mm-hmm. And Dreadmire, I think, came out at just the end of last year. Uh, they kickstarted both of them. They did very well. So the games, the way that it plays is it's a co-op deck-building tower defense game. <laughs> that's three things I didn't expect to hear in the same sentence. <laughs> exactly. And that's one of the great things about it is a lot of people are like, that try to wrap their brains around it as soon as they hear it. Like, that... It's really weird. How does that work? Right. Yeah. And so that one's great. Um, Another couple of games that I wanted to suggest are anybody that's uh, kind of familiar with Magic and likes Limited. uh, There are a bunch of really great drafting games out there.
1: Yes. This Uh, first one is one of my favorites, actually, of all time.
3: Yeah. Seven Wonders is a really, really great game. It's fairly complex the first time you try and play it. There are a lot of symbols on the game and a lot of things that you can pick up. Um, I found
1: that after I played it once, though, I had a very good grasp on what sort of the uh, the archetypes were, so to speak. Exactly.
3: Yeah, and that's that's one of the things. is If you're familiar with drafting at all, after trying it out like once, and then just becoming kind of familiar with the different symbols in the game and what they all mean, and how you can score points based on archetypes, like you said, mm-hmm. it really adds to the game. Because Seven Wonders is supposed to be like i think three it, it can be like one to seven yeah but really it's best with like four to seven i uh, thought so it's it's best r- with
1: seven players <laughs> yeah seven it players. really
3: <laughs> is best with seven it is called um, seven
1: wonders after all so <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah
3: uh, so that one's great if you don't have the people or maybe you just don't want to get too deep into a game like that uh there's another really simple one called sushi go <laughs> this uh, game's great too that has been uh, a really fun game that uh, when I have people over to my house, we just kind of sit down, shuffle it up and play that a couple of times while we're getting in the mood to play like a longer game. Um, and it's, it's a pretty simple drafting game and you can actually play it with younger kids too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our, one of my coworkers has two young daughters and this is one of their favorite games and he loves it because it's obviously drafting and they right. love it just because it's very colorful and, and it has a lot of uh, depth to it, too, even though it's a pretty simple version of a drafting game.
1: Yeah, and it only takes, like, 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, the concept's great. You're at a sushi restaurant, and everyone's trying to get the best combination of dishes as they, as they go by. So you get, you know, obviously set bonuses for making a set of sashimi or sushi rolls or whatever. Uh, or you, like, triple the value of certain things. By it, it makes you hungry, I'll say that much. It's making me hungry. Uh, so there's another game.
3: It's called Epic Card Game. And uh, it was designed by Rob Doherty and Darwin Castle, two Magic Hall of Famers. And Epic is a game that's similar to Magic. And it's, uh, it's a 1v1 game. Uh, but all the cards are basically, it sound, it's exactly like it sounds. It's Epic. Mm-hmm. All the cards, when you're coming from a Magic perspective, are huge, huge spells. There's like a 13-13 with trample for one.
1: <laughs> oh, Death Shadow, <laughs>
3: yeah, and things like that, but with no downside. Right, it's just a thirteen, thirteen, like Triceratops or whatever. For and they're all dinosaurs and stuff, and it's sweet. Sounds um, epic. And the game's pretty basic. It's you have one resource per turn. You just have one gold on mm-hmm. your turn and your opponent's turn, and you can use that or not use it. And cards either cost one or zero. Oh, cool. Uh, and on your opponent's turn, you can cast events, which are just kind of like spells. Um, most of the spells have instance or if a card says you can cast it on your opponent's turn. And so it's, it's like the resource system is a lot simpler, and so a lot of the cards are just really, really big compared to Magic stuff. And it's a great game that came out a little while ago as a TCG, uh, kind of fell apart. Not a lot of people were as into it. Mm-hmm. And then they redid it as a Kickstarter as just a CCG, And they were like, all right, all in one package, you get everything for X amount of dollars. It's a really, really fun game. I definitely suggest it if you are familiar with Magic, if you like Magic. There's lots of different ways to play it. Like There is a constructed, um, and then there are a ton of different limited varieties that you can play.
1: Very, very cool. Yeah, well, I mean, thank you for the suggestions. This is one of our most detailed end steps I think we've ever had. Uh, but yeah, sir, <laughs> I, I'm a big I'm fan I, of Seven Wonders I, 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 I and I ramble about
3: my uh no, I no. ramble about my hobbies, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> no, it's great. Um, we have a game night that we do with the Rock Jump people sometimes. Jimmy plays mm-hmm. a lot more board games than I do. But, you know, I consider Commander to be sort of the board game version of Magic in a lot of ways. Yeah. So yeah. I think the appeals to our audience for sure. And I will say, Card Kingdom does sell board games. so That's right. Yeah, because they've got a big board game shop, so you can still use the affiliate link if any of these sound cool. Uh, CardKingdom.com
1: slash Command Zone. That's right. Uh, Jeremy, where can we find you on the World Wide Web?s your Twitter, your website, where work can we go to see your CR articles and videos? On Twitter, I, you can find me
3: at, at Jeremy Knoll. It's pretty simple. Nice. Uh, and uh, if you can follow me. Uh, every now and then I talk about Commander Versus, but... Most of the time, it's going to be either ridiculous things my wife says or pictures of our pets. We have three cats and a dog. I dig it. (laughs) And then, of course, you can find us on YouTube.com slash Star City Games. In Commander versus Split Second is a mostly daily show. I try and get it out Monday through Friday every day. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Mini Masters versus, which we're going to try and bring up a little bit more often now. People seem to really enjoy it, so... We're going to try and kick that into a slightly more regular production.
1: Awesome. Uh, If you guys didn't know, that's a, a normal player versus a pro, correct, Mini Masters?
3: Yes. We have one of our commander versus players going against one of our premium versus players. So you'll see things like myself versus Todd Anderson or something like that every now and then. Pretty
1: sweet. Yeah. Rose versus Joe's. I, I always like that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. So you can find all that, of course, in the show notes in the co- uh, above the comment section in the description box, and make sure to give Jeremy a follow and check out, especially the Commander versus and Split Second series. Yeah, I
2: don't think we talked about Split Second that much. Split Second is just a sort of bite-sized news show where Jeremy talks about all the magic news for that day. And like you said, it's not. It's not. Necessarily every day, but it's kind of a daily format style show, and and we've been on there. You've been nice enough to mention us many times, but f- well, during spoiler season, that show is pretty busy, right? Because you're sort of uh, aggregating all the spoilers and talking about them, but mm-hmm. you know, also just any tournaments that have happened or any changes in the Magic world, and just pointing you in the direction of cool stuff out there. I really like Split Second. I, I tend to watch it every time it pops up on my feed.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it's spoiler season is definitely very busy, and then uh, we made the we started the show just before they changed over to the okay we're gonna dump six months worth of news on one day (laughs) (laughs) format so that was kind of a oh caught us by surprise we were gonna like you know it's gonna dull things out like oh the pro tour is this weekend so they're gonna make an announcement nope here's all of the news for the next six months (laughs)
2: yeah it's pretty pretty crazy (laughs) um another place to learn about magic is our sister podcast the masters of modern You can follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. Alex and Ben talk about the Modern format, all things competitive magic. I think Modern's probably going to be blowing up as a result of Modern Masters 2017. Certainly, You're probably going to get a bunch of the products, and it's a good chance you might want to dip your toe into Modern because you're just going to have a lot of those cards. And this is the first time I think we've had a set come out where you can legitimately get a lot of pieces and build a deck. Um, without sort of spending an arm and a leg on really old cards because they're all getting reprinted. So definitely check those guys out. You can find them, like I said, on Twitter, at the MMCast. Also, you can find them on Collected.Company, which is our new Magic Hub. They're
1: right next to us. Yep. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. He does the video versions of these podcasts. So if you want to see the cards as we talk about them, make sure to head on over to YouTube.com slash the Command Zone podcast. Also, last week, we had a very special episode with a friend of Josh's, Rob Pryor, doing a live painting demonstration behind us, and you can only see that on the video format of the show. So make sure to check that out. And big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who provides the living card animations on that as well. And a big thank you to Jeremy Knoll. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm very excited to hopefully someday play against this villainous wealth deck and i will be putting my hand up if you need some of the cast stuff from (laughs) thank you so much for having me on guys absolutely thanks a lot man all right make sure to follow jeremy again all of his details in the description box and the the deck list people are going to ask that's right hey can i have the deck list yes it's in the show
2: notes directly below the video
1: all right that does it for this episode thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time peace
0: For your attention for further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at jfwang and at josh lee Qui. See you later, alligator.
1: Greetings, humans. <laughs> oh,
2: how'd that happen again? Yes, yes, <laughs> you tricked I me. It. You totally tricked me. I got me. to
1: say the piece. <laughs>